Welcome listeners to the Smart Business Hub Hubcast series. Today we're covering episode 5. I'm down in, down in the south today in the blustery Melbourne. It's about 10 degrees. So coming from Queensland I got quite a shock flying in this morning. Um, but I'm pretty pleased this morning. I've got the managing director of 3D print company Objective 3D, Matt Minow. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Matt, in getting, doing some preparation before coming down to have a chat today, I was having a look at your background, which was super interesting. It looks like you've been involved in business development, you've led design teams, you've been a design engineer yourself, and you've even been a qualified fitter and turner. That's pretty much a dream run, isn't it, in terms of expertise to run a 3D print company? Yeah, it is. It is. Many people start off at uni and they get their qualifications and they, they enter the workforce with a lot of theory behind them. But uh, my path, I guess, was a little bit different starting as a, on the shop floor as a fitter and turner and working my way up through the ranks, going through different departments and getting hands-on experience in the entire manufacturing process and operation, including design and engineering and quality control and uh, even procurement departments, as well as learning to manage people and now running a, a company in its entirety. So I think that allows me to act more as a uh, consultant with our clients and understanding the entire business process and then being able to tailor an ideal solution to fit their business needs rather than just maybe trying to offload a piece of equipment. Yeah, sure. That sort of kind of relationship, right, to work towards solving a problem, which is you know inbuilt, ingrained in manufacturing, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. And out of all that experience, I mean, I'm pretty interested to know, is there any one of those areas or one of those paths paths in your career um, that you leverage the most now that you're in the role as managing director? Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything that I've learnt and, and the end result is that, that consultative approach that, uh, that we take. So, you know, I don't have formal training in being a consultant, but I think it's just picked up over all these years going through uh, that, that experience that I've had in different areas of the businesses. And uh, just being able to, to sit there and listen to a customer's requirements and understanding their needs uh, rather than me just waffling on about product. Yeah, sure. So you, so you obviously enjoy that kind of people side, right? Engaging with business, understanding their needs, working, a pro- working out a solution. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's, um, I guess at the end of the day, getting, getting a customer into a product that you know they're going to benefit from, they're going to get efficiency improvements and faster time to market and all these benefits that the technology can bring um, there's too many people out there that maybe have bad experiences and just go out and buy some equipment, but if you get the right piece of equipment that's fit for your purpose as a business, and every business is different, so mm. if we can tailor that right solution to a client, then they're going to end up with a, a very successful outcome. Yeah, that's a good approach. And so tell me about 3D, 3D oh, sorry, Objective 3D. How did, the, how did the company actually start off? Did I understand you founded the company? Yeah, we, uh, myself and my business partner got together uh, about six years ago and we started Objective 3D. Uh, both of us were in the 3D printing space prior to that and I was selling uh, high-end 3D printing equipment, business to business. What, what kind of year was that? How, how long ago are we talking about? Uh, that was eight years ago Okay. that I, that I first got into full-time work with 3D printing. Um, prior to that, through my design engineering roles and, and design manager roles, I've worked at multiple companies that used 3D printing. So I was, I was kind of 
sitting on the side of the fence as the designer or the design engineer using the technology to fulfill my role and, and do my job. Um, but then uh, eight years ago was when I started uh, selling the technology professionally because I knew the benefits it could bring to industry. Yep. Um, make Australian businesses more cost competitive on a, on a global scale. So, yeah, that happened for two years and then uh, an opportunity came up to be uh, the distributor for the world's largest 3D printing uh, technology company. So I uh, jumped at that opportunity, given my past experience with 3D printing and, uh, you know, six years later, here we are today with 16 staff um, and offices in Melbourne and Sydney and we've got uh, people in New Zealand as well. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> um, was there was there any out of that growth? Uh, I suppose a little bit off topic, but was there any kind of was there a major pivotal moment that really, you know, allowed you to expand and grow, or was it literally just building it brick by brick in terms of the company and, and growth? Yeah, it is. It was getting started was a challenge to get out there and uh, and reach people, and I think you know we started with. Myself and my business partner and uh, and one admin girl. So uh, with with lack of resources uh, in the way of both people and funding, uh, we we started slow. But I think the absolute key to our growth when it took off was uh, engaging a marketing manager. Okay. And getting out there and promoting ourselves and and just letting people know what we what we were capable of and, and what we were representing. So uh, we saw massive growth once we engaged on that on that level. Lots of late nights and weekends, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Travelling around the country and yep. uh, all sorts of things. So it was it was a very busy time, but very enjoyable time as well. Sure. Yeah. I guess when you're that passionate about something, it, it makes it easier and, and more fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's interesting too from all the stuff I've read in terms of 3D printing and how well it's known you know it appears that the market has really matured I imagine eight years ago when you were um, you know working obviously a lot with the machines back then business leaders probably wouldn't have heard about 3D printers as much or didn't really know what the the technology was capable of but now I think people are pretty aware that it's it's out there we can use it it's accessible Hmm. you think? Yeah, look, it, it is. You know, it's amazing that when I first started in three D printing, you know, I'd, I'd go mad explaining the same story over and over of what three D printing was all about and how it worked. And uh, eight years later, it's it is a really different story, and and most people do know about the technology. Uh, I think these days it's more about educating them on the different types of technology that are available out there mm. and the advancements in materials development and, and the range of applications you can use with 3D printing now. Mm. Uh, traditionally it was all about prototyping yep. uh, and people are tradi- they're aware that, uh, that prototyping and 3D printing are synon- synonymous with each other. Um, but these days we're really talking about uh, manufacturing low volume production run components, we 3D print tooling moulds, jigs and fixtures and a whole range of other type of functional components these days. Yeah right, so it's quite, it's a lot more complex than just you know the prototyping it, it sounds like it was back then right? Yeah definitely, it's come a, it's come a long long way. So what's it, what's it been like, I mean I know you mentioned you know lots of effort explaining to people what 3D printing does and how it works. What's it been like being a leader of such an innovative company? And, you know, I imagine you have some pretty colourful conversations at barbecues 
trying to tell your mates, you know, what you do for a crust. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it it always was that that frustration of oh, here we go again. I'm going to tell <laughs> the same conversation to uh, a different bunch of people, uh, but. Um, people get more specific these days with their questions and there, there is a lot of animated discussion about what you can print and what you can't print and uh, you know we, we because 3D printing covers such a wide range of industries you know we talk about 3D printing architectural models to people in the construction industry mm. um, just this past weekend I had a, a sit down and a half an hour chat with a uh, a guy who uh, runs a construction company and wants to do scale down models of his of his designs and uh, you know there's there is a lot of discussion all the time about it yeah so uh it is quite uh quite exciting the one that gets people the most is uh, we run a 3d printing bureau service so we not only sell the machines but we have 15 high-end machines where we manufacture parts for people and okay one of the uh, fascinating stories that people keep grilling me about is uh the uh, custom fit sexual device market that we manufacture for as well so <laughs> right uh, yeah if I, if I let that out of the bag I get a lot of questions and uh, of what it is and how it works and all the rest of it so it's it's quite interesting great to great conversationist when um get to that point of the night eh? and you look to, <laughs> to keep people interested oh wow um well, let's I mean let's talk a bit more about the the actual technology for the benefit of our listeners on the show um, would you be able to give us a rundown of, of how 3D printing actually works? Because I imagine it's probably a lot different to what the average Joe thinks. Yeah, it, it, look, it's very different to traditional types of manufacturing that I guess most listeners are probably familiar with. But I, the best way for me to describe it is to start with a bit of an, an analogy. Yeah. And if you were to if you were to picture your bricklayer starting to build the external brick walls of your house on, on a concrete slab... Um, he'll run around and, and run a course of bricks around the perimeter and when he reaches the end he'll start again by adding another course of bricks on top of that and he'll repeat that process layer by layer until you get to the top of the brick wall and you get to the, the height that you require. So 3D printing is the, the correct term for it is additive manufacturing and yeah. uh, versus subtractive manufacturing which would be your CNC machine that starts with a, a block of plastic or a block of steel and machines three quarters of it away to get your end product. 3D printing works very differently and it works in an additive process where it will deliver material in that layer by layer approach uh, one layer at a time. So you're really only using the material you need to, to, to build your part from the ground up rather than being a subtractive process. Mm. Um, there are different 3D printing technologies such as FDM, Polyjet, SLS, SLA uh, that employ different methods of laying down that uh, material layer by layer but fundamentally uh, the principle of additive manufacturing and building layer by layer is the same in each one of those technologies. Okay, so uh, even from, I mean, so many th- things rattle around in my mind, but even just from a sustainability point of view, yeah, it's obviously much more effective, much more cost effective than getting yeah. a chunk of steel and carving something out of it, whereas we're starting with nothing and layering it up to... Yeah, that's right. Look, there is a real green factor to it. The machines are very, very efficient. They're very 
hands off once you set it running you don't need an operator it'll run lights out for a week if you want to quite efficiently mm. um, but then the material that gets used in the process is only what you need so me as a, as a fitter and turner in the old days I'd be machining blocks of aluminium and most yeah. of it I'd be sweeping off the floor at the end of the day and throwing it in the garbage so yep. uh, additive manufacturing is a way of building uh, without that waste as well. Yeah that's pretty exciting and, and you know an excellent side benefit I suppose yeah, of yeah, the exactly. technology which is great. Um, when I was doing you know obviously I'm very novice my, my limited understanding of 3D printing is basically what I've learned from you guys. Um, when doing some research about it you know there were things like rapid prototyping and design-led manufacturing and terms terms like that coming up what what does that all mean to, to the average you know to the average business leader yeah the uh, so the, the two terms you mentioned there is uh, maybe maybe both ends of the spectrum so the rapid prototyping you know as, as we mentioned before is is what 3D printing is renowned for, and it's the long-standing traditional application that that has uh, been embraced uh, with companies who, who buy 3D printers. And it's because time to market is crucial for businesses these days, and to produce a multitude of really fast prototypes, like same day or next day, mm. um, it, it just allows faster testing of designs, faster design iterations, and product development. Uh, you produce a better quality product as a result and you can do all this long before you ever lock yourself into production manufacturing so you can get some pretty massive cost savings there. What, what about Matt, so just I suppose unravelling that comparative to, I don't know, let's say we're going to make a, let's take something simple like a plastic drink bottle. Um, if you were going to, or, or maybe another object, but how would that compare? So when you were a fitter and turner or, you know, a design engineer when we used to use CNC mills 15 years ago yep. how does that process compare to how we did it then in terms of time and cost to, to what it is now okay well look a plastic drink bottle is a really good example because to CNC machine a plastic milk bottle would be virtually impossible because how do you machine the outside and the inside at the same time so uh, the only way you could really do it would be uh, to machine two halves and maybe glue it together as a bit of a prototype is it going to leak maybe maybe not yeah um 3d printing you're not bound by traditional manufacturing constraints so as soon as you finish your design yeah you can hit file print to the 3d printer and it will build the bottle regardless of whether there's any undercuts or overhangs whether it's internals or externals or your your, your traditional manufacturing constraints uh, there are none with 3d printing so mm. it will produce that bottle in say a, a day same day yeah whereas if you've got to outsource it to a cnc machine shop there could be a three-week turnaround uh, by the time you get the two halves back you've got to bond them together uh, and hopefully they don't leak if you want to do any testing of, of volume and all those sorts of things. So mm. um, turning three weeks into a one-day operation is a very, very quick way of reducing your time to market. And then uh, that compounds when you get those parts back and you realise that you've made a design mistake <laughs> or you want to make an improvement or do another iteration. Yep. Uh, perhaps the, the handle of the bottle isn't very ergonomic, so you want to do a couple of different iterations again. So you send it out again, wait another three weeks and come back. Yep. With 3D printing, what we find is people who have systems in-house will then do maybe three, four, five different design iterations at the one time. 
it's very low cost compared to outsourcing it's very fast turnaround so overnight once again you've got half a dozen different bottles that you can test at a fraction of the cost of what you've done to outsource and get real-time feedback very very quickly that's that's pretty phenomenal right because of, i suppose in that 15 year gap we've gone i suppose reduced the time um by 90 percent or something like that yes um and being able to provide multiple options in the one kind of process versus all these different stakeholders like you mentioned outsourcing and things like that the milling yeah. that's pretty phenomenal yep it's uh look it's it's great for me because i've come from uh, a manufacturing environment and and growing up through my career seeing the automotive industry in its demise for for mass manufacturing and and a lot of other companies that supply into automotive for example you know i've seen a lot of businesses uh ones that i've worked for and others that have closed over time and friends out of jobs and things like that so it's really good that I, I have the ability to show people this technology and educate people and show them ways to make their businesses more efficient yep. so that they can stay competitive in the global market. Yeah, because it, we don't have to just read the papers right and go, oh, we're just a warehouse now, we don't make anything. We very much can, mm-hmm. mate, as long as the, the market's right. Yeah, you, mm. And it's just like any business, I suppose, if you stagnate and expect to do the same thing now that you know today that you would in 10 years, chances are you're going to have a hard time. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And look, it's uh, you know the businesses I see being successful are ones that are uh, evolving and and adapting over time. And and you know, three D printing can be a, a big part of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. Um, well, sorry, I'm not sure if we got to the design. I know we talked about rapid prototyping. Um, what about the design lead <coughs> manufacturing? What's your thoughts on that term? Yeah, look, you know, being a designer myself, design lead manufacturing is, is something that's that's pretty exciting and a and a really good way to get those manufacturing and, and efficiency improvements. I think when you look at uh, you're really designing for optimal part performance, where the only real constraint to your design freedom is your imagination when it comes to 3D printing. So yeah. I did, I mentioned a bit earlier about traditional manufacturing constraints if you're using a CNC machine or a blow moulding machine or an injection moulding machine to manufacture your goods, you as a designer have to design for the manufacturing process, not so much for the product itself. So this may lead you to be forced to design three or four different components that you assemble together, you have to weld, you've now got a a manufacturing line where you've got to uh, add fasteners and all those sorts of things to your product. In an ideal world, your designer would want to come up with one single component, perhaps a lot more complex component, but a single component that can be manufactured in one piece. There is no manufacturing line, there's no assembly, no welding, no extra fasteners involved. Uh, keep your bill of materials to a minimum. We all, as manufacturers, know that that, uh, that saves cost and time. Yeah. Uh, and with 3D printing, because you're not bound by any manufacturing constraints, it will produce whatever you design. Uh, the 3D printing process uh, allows a designer to design for manufacturing, uh, sorry, design for the end use product rather than design for manufacturing. So now you can specifically look at the problem you're trying to solve designed to that problem rather than well like you explained all the complicated bits in between and whether 
that's technically possible you can kind of just expand and go for it yeah yeah absolutely and look there well there's some fantastic case studies and examples out there of where the technology is being used the one that comes to mind is a, a company in the u.s that manufactures rockets and they do the fuel delivery system which was made up of uh, over 100 components yeah and they might have been aluminium and, and other bits of plastic and stuff that were all fastened together but uh this company with the 3D printer have been able to reduce that component count to 14. Wow. <laughs> and uh, really, really reduce it, and it's saved them not only time and cost, but also weight in their rocket as well, which they're trying to keep down as well. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, thought, I, wish we had, I wish we could say that we've made rockets in, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day it'll come back. Um, so, I mean, the technology sounds amazing. There's so many things you can do. Obviously, would do with it. Obviously, it's much, much better or superior than what we used to do. There must be some limitations, though. Um, what are those kind of? What are the current limitations that you um, work with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, look, there certainly are limitations. It's not uh, for every single manufacturing application, and, and this is true for. Um, printing in plastics or printing in metal. Uh, the speed of the machines continues to be an issue. Yep. Uh, so you would not use 3D printing for high volume manufacture. Okay. So where it really does fit in well is for um, low volume production manufacturing for, for end use parts. Uh, and its niche is the ability to start manufacturing parts the day you finish your design you can manufacture straight off the printer and without the need for any sort of tooling. So particularly on the plastic side, you have uh, most plastic parts are either uh, manufactured through injection molding or blow molding process, and that requires a steel tool. Yep. Uh, that steel tool could cost tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars per component. Yep. So if you imagine that you only want to do a production run of 500 parts in a year, yep. uh, to amortise the cost of a $150,000 tool across those parts become makes for a very, very expensive part. Yep. So that this is where 3D printing enters the equation because there is no tooling required. You can start manufacturing from day one. Uh, another limitation of the system being uh, the cost of raw materials is more expensive than the pellets you would put into an injection molding machine. Yeah. But again, if you're producing only 500 units a year or maybe 1,000 units a year, uh, amortising that cost of the extra material over 500 units still makes for a much cheaper part price than if you were to try and amortise an injection moulded tool across it. Yeah, yeah. So low volume manufacturing, uh, customization, multiple variations of a similar product that you're going to do in, in low volumes uh, is absolutely perfect for 3D printing. I'm going to ask a dumb question, Matt. Could you make, could you use a 3D printer to make the tool for a blow moulding or a uh, injection moulding machine? Yeah, abso- absolutely. You and can? That's, that's been a really exciting development over the last three years. Okay. It's getting utilised more and more. So we, a lot of mould shops would um, turn a lot of customers away. A lot of entrepreneurs who have some fantastic ideas around new product, uh, they may want to go and test that product out in the market and produce a sample of, of 300 or so. Um, 3D printing doesn't print every material known to man. So if it was a material that 
you couldn't just 3D print parts. What we can do is 3D print an injection mould, uh, which would always traditionally be done out of uh, aluminium or, or tool steel. Yep. Uh, we can do that with a 3D printed mould at a tenth of the cost of, of machining up one inch steel. Yep. You may be able to get a couple of hundred shots out of that mould and your entrepreneur can then take that product to market, test it and see the reaction of the market. Uh, if it goes well, well then obviously you can cut a, teal, uh, a steel tool and then go to uh, more high volume production manufacturing. Now a lot of these projects never get off the ground traditionally because that entrepreneur will go to the tool maker or the molder I'll give them a quote for uh, twenty thousand dollars for a tool, yeah, and it then becomes impossible, impossible it, right? for them to manufacture it at a reasonable piece price. Yeah, so this is where three D printing to be used as a blow mold tool or an injection mold tool or even a thermoforming tool, um, because we can do it at a fraction of uh, of the cost becomes a really becomes an enabler really to get some product out there where previously it never would have happened. Because I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Australia, we can't really do high volume manufacturing of that kind anymore, right? It's all, well, generally, yeah. it would be niche. Yeah, look, stuff. it most definitely is. It's um, the analogy I draw when I'm, when I'm speaking publicly is, uh, is the simple iPhone cover. So, you know, China's got it wrapped up. You know, they'll make 10 million iPhone covers at $2 a pop. Yep. And uh, we we can't compete with that. Our labour rates are too high. Our, our general cost of living and operation here is, is Energy, much higher. So, yeah, all of, all of that is, is prohibitive for us. But what we can do is take that same iPhone cover and start to customise it for customers. So that gets us back to some low volume niche manufacturing where uh, a customer who may have paid only $2 for that plain black iPhone cover, uh, we change the design so we, we put some cutouts on the back, we put some nice shapes, some different colours, we emboss their name on it, we put some gears and wheels or something on it to, to their liking, yep. and all of a sudden they've got a custom iPhone cover that is nothing like anybody else's in the rest of the world, and I, I'd argue that I could charge $20 for that as opposed to the $2 uh, Chinese base model. So. Yep. That niche manufacturing is where 3D printing can really fit in nicely and you can ask a premium price for a custom product. Yeah, and I mean, you, you did right because I've seen plenty of those $20 phone covers in the in the malls around uh, around Australia, so very good point. Um, so I suppose if you were, if you were a smart, if you're an owner of a, a thermo-moulding business or you know injection-moulding business and you were smart, you'd most likely... You know, have your same injection molders, but in the corner you'll have you'd have a couple of three D printers and carve the cost out of prototyping and being able to attract startups and things like entrepreneurs, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a, it's not a, it's definitely not a replacement tool. It's it's an additional tool to the business to to get people in the door and get them, you know, engaged with your company and being able to do the maybe those low volume niche products that we're talking about, whereas previously uh, you couldn't engage and, and deliver something that was cost-effective to the customer. Uh, and then not only that, but using it for your own internal purposes and, and doing some early 
development work on a plastic tool that's a tenth of the cost is much cheaper than chopping up a steel tool once you want to make changes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I mean, I know myself, I'm involved in another uh, startup, Beam Energy Labs, where we're, we're looking to make, um, you know, basically an app and, and some hardware um, to help people measure and, and confirm what size solar systems they need. And to do that, we've got to make some hardware. Mm. And um, that would be in the same situation, right? If we wanted to, you know, 10 years ago, make this, you know, the enclosures and things like that from scratch, we just wouldn't be able to do it. So um, that carving out that cost with 3D printers allows things like that to enter the market, like you say, yeah, rather absolutely. than being a, a barrier to entry. Yeah. The, uh, the only other area with, uh, I think, that might be of interest is with the, the materials development over time. It's, it's something over the last eight years that's come a long, long way. And when we're talking about limitations of the technology, certainly materials have been a limitation in the past. Uh, to some extent, there are still limitations out there. We can't. We can't 3D print every material known to man, yep. but um, I think it's it's interesting to note at this point in time on the on the metal side of things that uh, you know we can use one 3D printer these days to print print a range of different materials such as uh, aluminium alloys, steel, stainless steel, tool steel, titanium, bronze, and precious metals, and and this can all be done off the one 3D printer. So. Wow. Uh, the other important thing to note is that they can be manufactured at up to 99.8% density compared with taking a billet of steel and machining it away. So the strength is virtually exactly the same using the 3D printing process as to what we know traditionally today. Well, that's <laughs> mind boggles. Um, so with, say like, for example, uh, stainless steel 3D printing that, how, how does that work? Like, is the... The, the raw material, is that like a powder form or something? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, the, the raw material is uh, a powder that typically is between uh, 15 and 60 micron granules, like grains okay. of sand. Yep. And uh, they get, for, for want of a better term, a windscreen wiper blade would wipe that across a, a build plate, a very fine layer of powder. Then a laser beam comes down, traces around the profile of your part and it's almost like a welding process where it turns the powder from from the powder granules yep. into molten metal uh, and again a, another layer of powder will get dusted across the top the laser beam would repeat the process just like the bricklayer and his bricks yep. and layer by layer one layer of metal fuses to the next and, and builds your part vertically and ha- so it's heat is using heat to liquefy yeah, the laser beam virtually creates a, a, a weld melt pool and uh, that fuses to anything around it. So okay. it creates a really good bottom strength. Yeah, right. And what, what about to make the actual powder itself? Is that is that less is that less processing to get it into you know, we use a steel bullet like you said. Yeah. That to make that powder is that is it, how does that how do they manufacture uh, that? Look the um, we were talking about cost of materials earlier and uh, them being more expensive than traditional so this is uh, exactly the same for metal to create those little granules and do them accurately um, there is significant cost in that so the powders themselves are definitely more expensive than using uh, a traditional billet Uh, but because you're not throwing 80% of that billet away as scrap on the floor 
Um, you're using a lot less material in the build process when you're using 3D printing. So while it would still, I would argue, it would still be more money to produce the same part in 3D printing. Yep. It brings, 3D printing brings a whole lot of other advantages on the metal side of things uh, than, than traditional manufacturing. So if, if you were to ask me to machine a uh, two inch by two inch elbow bracket yep. uh, and traditionally you do that with CNC machining, 3D printing, you would, not, you would not take that approach using a metal 3D printer. It would always be cheaper for you to do it on a CNC machine. However, if you then tell me that that bracket, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a foot by a foot in size, and it's highly structural, but it needs to be a lot lighter in weight. Yep. Then we can run some um, FEA analysis, finite element analysis on the computer. Thank you. <laughs> and get that to uh, optimize the design. So a designer can take it so far, you can use FEA analysis software to then optimize it further to the point where you can ask the software to just go crazy with the design, no limitations, just give me the lightest weight part for the maximum strength. And we see typical weight savings of uh, 50 to 60% weight savings for the same strength in the same part. So this can be a structural component yep. that gets used in lightweight applications uh, that can save companies uh, you know, tons of money. A good example is the uh, aircraft industry with a, a similar bracket to what I just described. But having that one bracket being so much lighter and it gets in, used in 100 locations across an aircraft, uh, then you apply that to all the aircraft in the fleet of, of that company, mm. it saves the airlines or the airline company uh, millions of dollars in fuel bill every year because they're now flying a, a lighter aircraft. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So this then applies to, think of your V8 supercar teams, Formula One teams, even trucking companies, anybody who's involved in transport, typical automotive industry, everybody wants lighter weight vehicles yeah. that are just as strong, of course, uh, so that you reduce your fuel emissions and consumption. Yeah. Well, and recently the um, the America's Cup was on, right? And just watching those boats and how finely mm-hmm. tuned they are, I was thinking, wow, there's, you know, there's hydraulic pumps and all sorts of stuff in there. <laughs> I imagine that no doubt 3D printing would have a big part in, in, uh, in that sport in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if we just, you know, I suppose coming back to, to the business world, and there'd be lots of business leaders out there, you know, there'd be some that are really mature, they know lots about 3D printing and maybe they're embracing it already, but there'll also be, you know, business leaders that have lots of things that they look after in an organisation. What would your advice be to them um, if they're starting to think about utilising how they can take advantage of 3D print, printing in their business? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's that consultative approach that's really going to help people who are interested in at least starting to look at the technology. And this is, you know, this is something that we do on a regular basis. Uh, and and you know, we travel the country and we run seminars and it's all about educating people who are perhaps interested in 3D printing and just discovering, uh, you know, every business is different, but yep. discovering a, a little bit about what uh, you do in order for us to be able to help tailor a solution. So, you know, there's there's a multitude of, of different brands of 3D printers and types of printers and resellers out there in the market today. 
Um, I'd say the vast majority uh, are at the hobby or prosumer type market level. Okay. And uh, there's there's a few that deal business to business and for, for serious production uh, manufacturing type applications. So <clears throat> the key is that not all 3D printers are created equal and it's certainly a case of, of you get what you pay for when mm. you're investing in the technology. So my recommendation is to, is to really find someone with uh, a lot of expertise in multiple different 3D printing technologies uh, so that you can talk to them about your own specific requirements. And there's no one 3D printer out there that does everything for everybody. Yeah. Uh, they all have their own, uh, because they're different technologies, they have their own different benefits and advantages and also drawbacks as well. So it's crucial to marry the right 3D printing equipment to your own business needs. Sure. it's. I mean, it's, I suppose, put that in basic terms, right? If you're a mechanic, you're not going to go to Bunnings and buy the cheapest set of, you know, the cheapest socket set. You're going to buy a Snap-on or something. Yeah. Pretty quality, you know, quality, right? I imagine it's the, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And look, you know, you, you can have, you can have businesses who want to do some simple basic prototypes and so you can get into a simple basic machine and, yep. you know, near enough is good enough and that's okay. But if you're going to go to production tooling and you're a larger company, you're going to produce hundreds of thousands of components and you're investing in a half a million dollars worth of tooling, you want to make pretty, you, you want to know pretty well that your products are going to, fit together when they come off that tool and part A fits with part B and it all assembles and everything functions properly. So you really need uh, an investment in a, in a 3D printer that's going to produce really, really accurate parts and functional parts that simulate what you're going to go to production with. So yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, different for different companies, but uh, there's a whole range of different uh, technologies out there to, to help all levels, really. But, you know, I, one of my recommendations, too, would be before making a decision on a purchase is to even try manufacturing some parts through a 3D printing bureau service. Oh, yeah. So it's almost, a, it gives you an opportunity to try before you buy. Yep. And uh, regardless of what anybody tells you, the proof is in the pudding if you go and manufacture some parts. Uh, if we were to manufacture some parts for you, and then you go away and trial them and do your testing and then say, all right, we can see now the parts function and they're fit for purpose. So, uh, you know, you can make a, a more uh, educated decision from there and knowing that if you're going to invest in technology, that uh, you're going to be making a good buying decision rather than guessing and keeping your fingers crossed, hoping for the best. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the combo of, of um, your strategist and, and the bureau service here, right, that makes it really easy you know, try before you buy kind of process you can, get some parts made, touch and feel them and see how that process goes and then... Yeah, absolutely. To get absolutely. It's, it's a challenge to to find companies who, who do both. So, you know, you go to one company to, to buy technology and think about buying a technology, but um, they, don't, uh, they don't offer the, the manufacturing service in the background. So, yeah. I mean, we do have the luxury of being, offer a, being able to offer a complete solution, yep. which kind of makes us fairly unique in the market today. Yeah. 
um, that we can we can produce benchmarks, we can do testing for you, we can manufacture for you, and uh, you know we can we can manufacture for over a day on our on our uh, high end equipment that we have here. But ultimately, it's going to be if it's going to be an ongoing concern, and the three D printing does get adopted and get used regularly within the business. That ultimately uh, you would invest in your own technology. It'll be more cost effective for you in the long run. Yeah, I like that though. You can, you know, you can objective three D. You can walk the walk. You can run someone through it, do it. It's not like you're just going to try and flip them a machine and then you you kind of gone. You know, it's mm. it's from end to end. It's all there. That's it's. A, I like that approach, and I think a lot of business leaders would as well. Um, we haven't. <laughs> we've we've talked a lot about. You know, people that would be doing manufacturing probably as their core business. Is there a place for this stuff? You know, say, say in your average food manufacturing facility, or um, uh, you, you know, people just making making product, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it kind of is that a fantasy world? Is it true that maybe in their workshops where you have uh, fitters and turners and things like that um, doing breakdowns, that in the future they might have a a machine and a scanner, you know, for example, remote sites that might have a breakdown and they've got some old equipment, they know they can't source that equipment anymore and it's just like a, you know, $10 bolt, you don't want to replace your boiler or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Are any of those situations starting to come up that you're seeing in the yeah, market? Yeah, definitely for, uh, for spare parts, um, you know, even even look at plumbing companies who have to warehouse uh, millions and millions of parts. You imagine all the cisterns and basins and all the plastic product and yeah. and bits and pieces that they've got a warehouse in their factories for thirty odd years, and and just in case somebody rings up uh, in fifteen <laughs> years' time and orders a part off a off a toilet that. Uh, that doesn't get manufactured anymore. They still need to keep stock on the on the shelf. So yeah. there's warehouses and warehouses and warehouses full of spare parts that are sitting there on the shelf. Uh, where where there's a lot of interest uh, for three D printing and and it is happening today, is that you keep a digital library of all your inventory okay. and those spare parts, and you have a three D printer sitting in the corner, and you're able to then print on demand so that. If a client does order something, a spare part that's required, yep. um, you can call it out of the uh, electronic library, hit file print, and next day the part is ready to be shipped. So they can save uh, phenomenal amounts of money on, on future warehousing requirements. That just sounds so much simpler yeah. as well. <laughs> um, so how would how would um, how would an organisation embrace that? Would they would it be quite attainable for them now to buy a scanner and a printer and you know, scan their critical spheres or, you know, whatever's important. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Look, it's, uh, as an investment, we're, we're talking uh, for some decent equipment, both scanner and 3D printers, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars and we can go up to uh, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and perhaps even a million dollars plus if we're talking some really large format. Yeah. Um, high-performance metal-type 3D printers. Uh-huh. So there's there's all ends of the spectrum, and, and again, it's, it's just finding that, that right fit for a client. Uh, you know, it may be a, a massive company uh, with a with a huge distribution network, but they only really need a $30,000 machine. Uh, yep. The requirement may not be for a $200,000 machine, for example. So that, I mean, even the, the dollars you're talking about, though, and, and you know, if, you, if you're running a factory... 
comparative to the cost of production and having the plant down, it'd be quite justified, I imagine, but, you know, on one breakdown, really. Yeah, definitely. And, and even if you're comparing it to other pieces of traditional manufacturing equipment like uh, laser routers and cutters and metal bending machines and CNC machines True. and injection yep. moulding machines, uh, 3D printers themselves can be quite cheap. And yep. um, something I like to uh, inform people is that, you know, you'll... You, you might spend $150,000 on one tool to produce one component, to yeah. manufacture one component, but as an alternative, you have a 3D printer for the same price that'll produce any component you could ever think of. So as long as it fits within the build envelope of that machine. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it is really a versatile machine, and although the you know the dollars do sound uh, expensive compared to what you know what manufacturers are traditionally used to, uh, it's really not that much. Sounds like a pretty strong value proposition to me, though, um, and, and just real estate too. If you're talking about like you just mentioned, you know. Um, cutters and, and all that sort of stuff and condensing it down to one machine that's uh, that gives you more space for production activities or whatever it is you might want to use for that that area yeah and the machines themselves their their footprint is relatively small as well you know most of them are the size of a, a single door fridge or a double door fridge okay. they, they don't use much more power than uh, than the fridges themselves so uh, they can really sit in a corner of the factory or even a corner of the office because most of these machines now are, are very office friendly there's no fumes or smoke or mm. extraction required uh, so um, they can sit and buzz away like a 2d printer in the corner of your office environment as well that that gives your engineers and designers to really be hands-on with the machine and yeah and kind of send a print there and then just sit and forget and uh, let the machine do the rest yeah right and and so cost wise is that is that pretty much directly related to the the footprint and the materials it's capable of of using cost wise for like the cost of the machines is that usually you know related to the how big the footprint is so what sort of material it can make yeah yeah look it's the cost of the machine will accelerate given the uh, the range of materials that will run on that 3d printer and the build envelope size of the printer as well yep so uh, metal machines are, are always going to be more expensive than uh, than a plastic machine they've got expensive lasers in them and all those sorts of things but yep. if you're talking comparing just plastic machines alone um, simple little hobby machines that are relatively inexpensive with one base material or we can get up to uh, some of our higher end business to business type machines that will manufacture uh, the only material, the only plastic material uh, certified by the FAA for use in commercial aircraft. Okay. So if it's good enough for the FAA, it's obviously a very high performance material which stands over 205 degrees Celsius in temperature. Um, you know, the but obviously the machine itself to be able to, to do that is obviously a more expensive machine than your little hobby machines that are that are floating around there down at Bunnings and, yep. and Aldi. Yep, sure. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's yeah. you know, yeah, hobby, I think I compare it to, you know, someone running a business versus someone doing DIY at home. Yeah. <laughs> it comes back to that uh, that socket set example, snap-on versus your, your cheap set at Bunnings. Yeah, exactly um, that's that's pretty interesting. So it sounds pretty attainable for for business in general. We're kind of at that level, which is super exciting. Um, I have to ask. I mean, actually, no. Just circling back. I mean, 
I noticed you guys recently released, or not that long ago, released a paper or a how-to guide on how to write a case study. I thought that was, you know, a really good bit of insight. Insight, and go to objective3d.com if you want to check that out. Um, but was that kind of an error that you've you've seen? You know, what I see often in businesses, technical people are super smart, but they're probably quite bad at selling stuff to the people that sign the checks. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of is that what you're you know doing with that white paper to assist those people and you know teasing out the value proposition uh, to be able to invest in the technology in their businesses? Yeah, definitely. Look, it's that's probably one of my challenges out there. That uh, it's very it's very easy in the world of three D printing to get people interested in the technology. It's it's fascinating. It's uh, you know watching the machines and what they can produce and what they do is pretty exciting. Yeah. It's more about then sitting with business owners and finance people and, and talking about that return on investment because let's face it, you know, why why are you going to invest uh, $200,000 in a piece of equipment to, to sit there and look pretty in, in the corner? It, it's, it's got to serve a purpose. It's got to provide a return on investment. Sure. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about some of the advantages of 3D printing with, you know, part consolidation and minimization, but all these types of things need to be collated and gathered together and, and measured. So we need to look at your production environment, what you would use a 3D printer for, and, and how are we going to prove that there is a return on investment for you. So whether that's... Um, uh, design iterations, getting your product to market faster and sooner. What value does that provide? Uh, what sort of if you're designing a dozen products per year and you can reduce your time to market um, by three months overall? That does that free up your designers and engineers to take on extra work and new products where they previously wouldn't be able to do. And and how do you? What value do you put on that? Yep. having your staff have an extra three months in the year yep. to work on other things. So uh, there's a, it's really a very complex area and you know we deal with a lot of engineers and designers uh, and that's their area of expertise is, is designing product yep. but it's not necessarily putting a business case together to present to management yep. to, to make a justification and a revert, return on investment. So that document... Uh, goes some way to, to guiding people on, on how to do that. But at the same time, I'd like to think that that's what Objective3D does very well in that we can sit down and even talk to finance people um, if we can get in front of them and, and talk about these benefits and, and how to quantify them. Yeah, yeah. It's more of that partnering approach, right? And to be fair, just like, like you say, people are running their businesses and they need to make a commercial decision. So mm. it's great that you've um, taken that on board and, and you know have the ability to consult and work through them with it. Yeah, great approach. So we've kind of talked a bit about, you've answered that question, I think, you know, you probably do envision uh, in the future a 3D printer in every workshop factory that would be, do you think that's sort of a common situation we're going to have? Um, yeah, I would say I would say most. Yeah. If I mean, if you're if you're just running a factory and you're bending sheet metal then, and you're doing it, you know, for for mass manufacturing, then I'd say no, you probably wouldn't. But if you're doing uh, if your business is constantly evolving, you're looking at the next thing to manufacture to get ahead in the market, uh, to get ahead of your competitors. Uh, then 3D printing is a very, very useful tool uh, to enable you to do that. Yeah, sure. That's exciting. Um, 
moving on to the, the big, I suppose, the topic of the red herring, Australian manufacturing. You know, we see, we tend to see, or have seen in the last 10 years, so much ne- negative publicity with, you know, the car industry going and things like that. But I was really pleased. Um, I was listening to ABC a few weeks ago and there was there was a report, I think there's a new report out from the Grattan Institute or or um, a think tank. I'm sorry, I don't have the reference. But basically, you know, some data to say there was actually an uplift in, in uh, jobs within Australian manufacturing. Um, what's your kind of take on that? Like, where do you see... Where do you see the opportunities mainly for Australian manufacturing to stick around and stay lucrative and, and profitable and things like that? Yeah, I, um, you know, I've seen a lot of change over the years, and and we've certainly, you know, we were a country or mass manufacturing for for the automotive and, and other industries and uh, even consumer goods and things like that. But I think you know most of, most of the listeners will be aware that. Um, that's that's died a very slow death, and while there may still be some around, um, the businesses that are thriving and doing well are adjusting away from that mass manufacturing uh, mentality. So it really has got down to uh, that that mass customization, I suppose, rather than mass manufacturing, and uh, in a whole range of different industries. But to be able to to go back to that iPhone analogy with uh, you know doing your own custom design for a particular customer and you can produce a high quality, uh, more valuable part and then sell it at a higher price, I think that's where uh, we're seeing, at least with our clients and, and their manufacturing using 3D printing as well, uh, that's where they're heading and, uh, and doing quite well. Some of the industries, I think, uh, one of the major industries that we're seeing great growth in is the medical industry. Medical, yeah, we I see a lot of talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and look, we uh, I guess as a as a three D parts manufacturer, we get all walks of life coming to us to manufacture parts for clients as well. So we get a pretty good handle on on what's hot and what's not. And medical right now is is really getting a lot of traction and, and embracing 3D printing for the process. So that that could be whether it's for titanium implants in the human body. Yep. Uh, so customised designs from a, taken from a CT scan and then being uh, transformed into a, a device that, whether it's a hip replacement or a, a replacement jawbone and socket, um, there's spine, there's ribs, there's, there's all sorts of things being done in the medical world for implants. But uh, even beyond that, there's tools that get used during surgery as well. So um, tools to align those hip and knee implants that get 3D printed uh, specifically for that one patient outcome and then get thrown away and disposed of afterwards. So mm. uh, there's the tooling side, there's the implant side, and there's even preoperative surgery and planning models where uh, surgeons will, will, will print out a, a kidney with a tumour in it and uh, taken from a CT scan, and a surgeon can look at that in his hand before he cuts into the patient so that there are no hidden surprises. He knows exactly what's uh, what's upcoming. He cuts into the patient, removes the tumour, and uh, away you go. So uh, there, there's really good outcomes in the medical industry. And um, I guess one of the other areas that's proving uh, a lot of interest is the aftermarket automotive industry as well. Okay. So that can be for um, new component manufacturing, 
uh, we provide 3D scanners, handheld 3D scanners, as well as 3D printers, and these these go hand in hand in in the aftermarket automotive industry. Imagine ripping off a, a bull bar of a or a bumper bar off a car, and you're a bull bar manufacturer. So you can then 3D scan the the front end of the vehicle and capture the chassis rails and the radiator and the headlights and where they are. Import that into your 3D CAD model yep. and design a new aftermarket bull bar. Uh, around that and and there's a lot of companies in Australia and, and a lot of growth in the aftermarket industry and I've seen that evolve as traditional automotive manufacturing has been in decline so uh, there's a lot of good applications there for uh, for those guys too. With the, with the scanners so if you were you know you weren't quite ready to invest in a machine yet but you want to start building up that digital library is it relatively straightforward? Like, could you get a, you know, could you get your apprentice or your graduate engineer starting to scan things and making that like building that library? Or yeah, you can yeah. with a bit of with a bit of training. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't let somebody cut loose on a <laughs> on a three D scanner sure. because you might not get the results you want. But yeah. look, with a, with a day's training, as okay. always required with uh, with the machines that we have, you can achieve a fifty micron accuracy. Uh, which is you know minuscule, and uh, you can replicate anything that you're scanning. Not only not only uh, the surface geometry, but also the texture of the model as well. And what would you be talking roughly for for to entry? You know, that for a scanner. Um, for a, a really good quality, accurate handheld scanner, we're talking just sub ten thousand dollar. Okay, and that's up, up to twenty five thousand dollars. There are some uh, higher end stuff that, that are super accurate uh, over a long distance and you, know, you can get up into uh, $100,000 plus for those types of scanners. Yep. But, uh, yep. What we find fits really well with the 3D printing manufacturing game and reverse engineering and aftermarket automotive type stuff, uh, the handheld scanners uh, that work within a 0.1 mil tolerance or a 50 micron tolerance. Yeah, uh, they're all around that ten to twenty-five thousand dollar mark in in that range, and uh, really is not big dollars when it comes to the benefits that it provides. Not at all. I'm quite surprised. It sounds quite attainable for the average business. Well, Matt Minio, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time and insights, and I've certainly learnt a lot about um, 3D printers and the whole world that you live in. And I hope it's been insightful for our listeners. Great. Thanks very much, Carl. You're welcome.